This is Dad, Dad Time, Time Stories. Episode 6, Hansel and Gretel. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Time Stories, a podcast where I get my dad to tell us stories. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your dad. Brian, we're recording another episode of this podcast. Another one? I love recording the podcast. I have so much fun doing this on our weekends with you. Me too. But let's check in. Let's touch base. How are you doing? Um, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? How's, well, before we get to me, how's school going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. How many classes are you failing? One. You're failing a class? Yeah. Brian, what class are you failing? Band. Brian! You're failing band? That's so bad! You gotta do better. Unless I think I'm failing band. Okay, well, just, why do you think you're failing band? Because I haven't been turning in the practice slips for my trumpet. Oh, you gotta practice. That's how you get better. I do practice right, every day. Right now, we're practicing at being podcasters, right? So you gotta practice your trumpet, too, and you gotta turn in those practice slips, okay? Okay. Alright, tell me something good about the week. I made a friend air quote air quotes friend why did you put air quotes around friend because i don't know you don't know if you made a new friend yes okay uh tell me about this person do they sit next to you in class yes yeah well what class math math okay and you talk to this person regularly yeah sometimes you help them with the math it depends and you don't know what the definition of friend is no okay all right well that's interesting and i think just goes to show that even at an age where it's supposed to be easy to make friends and it should be easy to put that label on it labels can be hard Right? And, right and relationships of any kind are mm-hmm. are difficult and you know sometimes it's nice to just be like hey are we friends is that is that what we are right okay i'm glad that you made a new friend i'm not glad that you're failing band so let's do something about that yeah okay anyways how was your week Dad? my week was great i had a field trip with my studio class, uh, we came up to Scottsdale from Tucson to visit Taliesin West, which is the home and studio and school of Frank Lloyd Wright that he used and lived in during the winter months when he wasn't living at his home in Wisconsin. And I got to basically spend the whole day, so Taliesin West was closed to everybody but us, we got tours around um, around the site, my class and I. You know, there was only there was only like what nine of us, nine masters of landscape architecture students, right? Um, and our teacher. And then I got to go dig through the archives and the collections for a little bit. I and I spent a good chunk. I think I spent like three hours on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday or was it Monday? I think you said it was Thursday. No, it was definitely it was definitely on one of the days that I had studio class. It was definitely Monday or Wednesday. Wednesday. I forget now. I think it, I think you're right. I think it was Wednesday. Um, so I spent like three hours on Wednesday digging through. Here we go. Big word. Oral histories. Oh. <gasps> 
the transcripts of these oral histories from the people who not only worked on this site, but were the students or the apprentices of Frank Lloyd Wright and built by hand. These people built the buildings at Taliesin West and worked with Frank Lloyd Wright to build their studio and all of the buildings that are on site there and getting to dig through the transcripts of these oral histories and meeting the oral historian was really cool for me. So I had a great week. Great. Let's talk about our story for this week. Okay. Our story is Hansel and Gretel uh, by the Brothers Grimm. This is a story that you picked. This was a story that I picked, but you may notice some changes to the story. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we First, are. let's talk about let's talk about the Brothers Grimm, mm-hmm. who they were, where they lived, when they lived, because you actually Long did time ago. You actually did more research on this than the last we've we've done a Brothers Grimm story before. The Shoemaker and the Elves. We did the Shoemaker and the Elves several episodes ago. Mm-hmm. That was also a Brothers Grimm story. But we didn't have a lot of background on them because that was a longer story. Right. Right. This is going to be a longer, not as, not as bad as, uh, how Thor got his hammer. How Thor got his hammer. Right. But this one's going to be a little bit longer. I think this one runs 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. but we actually, you actually did do some research for this story. So tell me a little bit about the research that you did. First, let's talk about the five, our five questions that we're trying to answer with our research. Okay. So those five questions are. Who, what, when, where, and why. Say it, please, so that people can hear and understand you. Who, what, when, where, and why. Thank you. So those are the five big questions that you are trying to answer with the research that you're doing. Right. All right. So take us through through the research that you did. So Hansel and Gretel was published in 1812 by the Brothers Grimm in Germany. Where's Germany? Uh, mid-Europe? It's in Central Europe. It's a country in Central Europe. It is... With the exception of Russia, Germany is the most populous country in Europe. The story is set in medieval Germany in the year 1314 through 1322. I don't think it's set then. I think it's inspired by events that happened at that time. I think it's supposed to be set further down the road. Yeah, I think it said 1315, the article that I read. That it was was Mm -hmm. set at that time? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, all right, I believe that. Can, can you talk about why? Why um, it is that we think that it's set then? We think that it's set then because of... Well, there's there's a famine the, in the story. Yeah. And it talks a couple of times about there being great scarcity. So what happened around 1315 that makes us think that that's when the story would happen? Um. So there was a famine where people would abandon... Well, what's and a famine? Sickness. No, the disease is pestilence. Famine is a lack of food ah, okay. and other resources. I okay. see. So there was a famine. Um, in that parents abandoned their children so that they could eat more or eat their children. Right, and that that famine was there was a great famine from thirteen was it twelve? Twelve. Thirteen twelve. To this is me waiting for you to Sorry. finish my sentence. Thirteen twelve to thirteen. 15? I think it was like 1320. There was a lot of there was a lot of bad things that happened in Germany during the 14th century. 
there was there was famine right at the beginning where people were abandoning their children in the woods or eating their children in order for them to survive and reproduce further down the road right and then you know the black death came through around that time it was the 14th century i think or maybe it was early in the 15th century that there's a lot of of bad stuff going on okay so that's that's some of the who and some of the when and i think we covered some of the where yes do do you want to talk about anything else for this so something something gross is people would dig up dead bodies and eat the brain Oh, well, you're talking about so during during this time period in Germany, it was there were we we came across some some articles that were talking about how this was a documented thing that people would dig up fresh corpses and eat the meat out of the skulls. And that made us think about the origin of of some uh, zombie stories early on. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else that you found in your research that you wanted to talk about? Yes, there was. Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, the brothers Grimm. Oh yeah, let's talk about who they were and what they did. They were, <clears throat> let's see, let's look it up real quick. Well, we don't have to look, we should just know by this right. point. that They were German academics, philologists, cultural researchers, lexicographers, and authors who collected and published folklore. Specifically German folklore. So specifically German folklore. And I think I think that that's that's a lot of that's a lot of jobs to be mm-hmm. to be known for. Right? What what does uh philologist philologist mean? Let's okay, I know that I just said let's not go and look, but let's go and look and see what philologist means. Philology is the study of, sorry, is the study of language in oral and written historical sources. So we're kind of being philologists right now. Silent high, high five. five. Silent high five, which is cool. You know, that we're, we're kind of following in the footsteps of recording oral tradition and oral histories. Because even though these stories are... <clears throat> you know, entrenched in myth and legend, that this is still part of human history, these stories. Because all of these stories, every story has a little grain of truth in it. And I think that, you know, the great, the little, that little grain of truth in Hansel and Gretel is this story that's going back to this great famine of the, the early 14th century, where, you know, there was, there was, a significant shortage of food and resources for people to survive on. So families had to resort to eating their children. It makes me think of, I think it was, it's, it's definitely a modest proposal. And I think it was written by Thomas Paine, which was a satirical essay that was written by Thomas Paine, an American revolutionary, who was suggesting that you know, in order to combat extreme poverty during that time, that women should get pregnant and then sell their babies to be eaten because baby meat is sweet and tender and delicious. It was satirical. My father does not really mean that. Which is what satire means. Oh. Which is what the word sat- satire and satirical means, is that it's not serious. It is a political commentary suggesting something ridiculous when other solutions are more reasonable and more possible. That's what satire is. Direct commentary, typically, on on politics. And for it to be something that is, you know, an economic... Basically, it wasn't it wasn't well received, right? And that was part of part of the point of this essay too was that basically everybody are everybody is so poor 
And everybody is so stupid that nobody understands what I'm actually trying to get at here. That poverty is an issue. We can solve it. And here's this absolutely outrageous way for us to solve it. But it's, I think, I think that there is a direct correlation there between, between these two things, between Hansel and Gretel in this story, the famine of, you know, the, the early 14th century, the, the 1312 to 1320 famine and a modest proposal by Thomas Paine. And if you want to learn more about some of these things, we'll post links in the show notes. Let's talk a bit about the characters. Oh, right. Yeah. Let's have our character discussion. Um, I was getting ready to like jump right into the story because I was just so excited to, to read this story. There are several characters in this story. Hansel. Hansel, who is a little German boy. Mm-hmm. His Gret- sister, Gretel. Gretel. Their father. Mm-hmm. Their the, mother, mm. their stepmother, I'm sorry, their stepmother, and the, the witch. witch. Again, here's a story with five characters, which I think was the same. I'm, I'm interested, too, if we go back, what and about- maybe we'll do this for in a, another episode. But looking at the number of characters that play, that have large roles in these types of stories. Because Son of the Tortoise, our last episode, was also... Five, five characters, five major players. I think that's interesting. But okay, so Hansel and Gretel are two two children, and then there's their father, who is a woodcutter. His job, right? Like they and they live, um, they live near the Black Forest in Germany, mm-hmm. which is a massive forest. When when you were doing your research, did you find look up at look at your notes and tell me so that okay, so I'm gonna rephrase this. When you were doing your research, how big was the Black Forest? Uh really big how big you wrote didn't you write down the square mileage i did not it was 2320 square miles if i remember correctly which makes it larger than several of our national parks it's bigger than the grand canyon it's bigger than the grand canyon national park it's bigger than glacier national park and it's bigger than the everglades i think was the third one and these national parks are known for being big These are among the largest reserves, natural reserves in the United States. And this one forest in Germany is larger than all of them, which is huge. So these this family lives near the Black Forest. Their father is a woodcutter. You know, their stepmother um, is there and she's not great. This is a time in literature where we're seeing this shift toward the evil stepmother trope, this archetype of this character. Right. right? Because it... You know, this, there's this kind of attitude between, you know, this new woman, the new wife, and, you know, the last wife's children, right? There's some tension there, maybe especially when the new wife, you know, wants wants her own kids, but the father feels attached to, you know, the children that he already has. And we see that, that trope coming out of this, and especially at a time when a lot of women were dying in childbirth, which, while it's not said in the story, could be a reason for the mother not being there. The right. mother could have died in childbirth. The father needs needs help falls in love again, marries this other woman, and she's like, hey, I want my own family. I don't want leftovers from your dead wife, right? We don't need them. And she's the one that suggests leaving them out in the woods to die. Right. Especially during the famine when they can't even afford some bread, right? I mean, they could technically just go out into the forest and collect berries. I mean, they could. And they do 
right? Like that is part of the story as when we when we listen that we'll hear that in the story. I think that's it. And then yep. and then we've already okay, so that's that, that wraps up our, our character discussion. And I think that we can get right to the story. Yep. Uh let's listen to the story. Hansel and Gretel. Long ago, somewhere near the Black Forest, a poor woodcutter lived with his wife and his two children. The boy's name was Hansel, and the girl's name was Gretel. They had very little to eat, and once, when there was a great famine in the land, the woodcutter could not even afford to give them a loaf of bread. As the woodcutter lay in bed one night, tossing and turning, thinking on how he was going to feed his family, He sighed heavily and said to his wife, What will become of us? We cannot even feed our children. There is nothing left for us. I'll tell you what, husband, answered the woodcutter's wife. We will take the children into the forest early in the morning, somewhere it is darkest. I will make them a fire, and we will give them each a piece of bread. Then we will go to our work and leave them there alone. They will never find their way home again, and we shall be rid of them. No, wife, said the woodcutter. I cannot do that. I cannot find it in my heart to take my children into the woods and leave them there all alone. The animals would soon come and eat them. You are a fool, she said. You will force us all to starve to death. You had better get our coffins ready. And she gave him no small amount of peace until he consented to her plan. The two children were so hungry that they had not been able to sleep and had heard what their stepmother had said to their father. Hansel wept bitterly and said to Gretel, It is all over for us, Gretel. Shush, be quiet, Hansel, said Gretel. Do not fret, I will manage something. And when their father and stepmother had fallen asleep, Gretel got up, put on her little coat, opened the back door, and slipped out into the night. The moon was full and shining brightly, and little white stones that lay in front of the house were little pieces of silver shining in the moonlight. Gretel stopped and filled the little pockets of her coat with the stones, as many as her pockets would hold. Then she went back again and said to Hansel, Rest easy, dear brother, and go to sleep quietly. God will not forsake us. And she lay down in her own bed and went to sleep herself. In the morning, before the sun had risen, the stepmother came and woke the children. Get up, you lazy fools. We're going into the woods to cut wood, she said. Then she gave each of them a piece of bread. That is for your dinner, she told them. You must not eat it before then, for you will get no more food today. Hansel carried the bread in his pockets, because his sister had her pockets full of the little white stones. Then they all set off together on their way into the black forest. When they had gone a little way, Gretel stood still and looked back towards the house, and she did this again and again. Finally, her father said to her, Gretel! What are you looking at? We've got to get going. Oh, father, said Gretel. I'm looking at my little white kitten, who is sitting up on the roof to bid me goodbye. You young fool, said the stepmother. That is not your kitten, but the sunshine on the chimney pots. Of course, Gretel had not been looking at her kitten, but had been taking advantage of every few steps to stop and take a stone from her coat pocket to drop it in the road. When they reached the middle of the forest, the father told the children to collect wood to make a fire to keep them warm. When the flames were burning quite high, the stepmother told the children, Now, lie down by the fire and rest yourselves, and we will go and cut wood. 
When we are ready, we will come and fetch you. So Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and at noon they each ate their pieces of bread. They thought their father was nearby in the woods all that time, because they thought they heard the strokes of an axe, but it was just a dry branch hanging to a tree that the wind moved back and forth. So when they had stayed there a long time, their eyes closed with weariness and they fell fast asleep. When at last they woke, it was night, and Hansel began to cry and said, How shall we ever get out of this wood? But Gretel comforted him, saying, Wait a little, Hansel, just until the moon rises, and then we can easily find our way home. And when the moon got up, Gretel took her brother by the hand and followed the way where the little white stones shone silver in the moonlight and showed them the road home. They walked the whole night, and at the break of day they came to their father's house. The children knocked at the door, and when their stepmother opened it and saw that it was Hansel and Gretel, she said, Oh, you naughty children, why did you sleep so long in the wood? We thought you were never coming home again. The woodcutter was glad, for it deeply saddened him to leave his children in the woods all alone. Not long after that, there was great scarcity in those parts again, and the children heard their stepmother say at night in bed to their father, Everything is finished up, husband. We have only half a loaf of bread, and after that our tale comes to an end. The children must be off. We will take them further into the woods this time, so that they shall not be able to find their way home again. There is no other way to manage. The woodcutter felt sad at heart, and he said to his wife, Surely it would be better to share one's last morsel with one's children than let them die alone in the woods? His wife would listen to nothing that the woodcutter had to say but scolded and reproached him. He who says A must say B too, and when a man has given in once, he must do it the second time. Hansel and Gretel were not asleep, and heard their father and stepmother arguing. When their parents had gone to sleep, Gretel got up to go out and to get stones as she had done before, but her stepmother had locked the door, and Gretel could not get out. She comforted her brother and said, don't cry, Hansel, and go to sleep quietly, and God will help us. Early the next morning, before the sun was up, the stepmother came and pulled the children out of bed. She gave each of them a little piece of bread, much less than before, and on the way to the wood, Gretel crumbled the bread in her pocket and often stopped to throw crumbs on the ground. Gretel, why do you keep stopping, child? asked their father. I'm looking at my little white kitten sitting on the roof to say goodbye to me, answered Gretel. You fool, said the stepmother, that is no kitten but the morning sun shining on the chimney pots. Gretel went on as before and dropped the breadcrumbs from her pocket all along the road as they walked. The stepmother led the children further into the woods than they had ever been before in all their lives, and again there was a large fire made, and the stepmother said to the children, Sit still there, and when you are tired you can go to sleep. We are going into the forest to cut wood, and in the evening, when we are ready to go home, we will come and fetch you. When noon came, Hansel shared his bread with Gretel, who had strewn hers all along the road. Then, when they went to sleep, the evening passed, and no one came for the poor children. When they awoke, it was dark, and Gretel again comforted her brother and said, Wait a little while, Hansel, until the moon rises. Then we shall be able to see the way home by the crumbs of bread that I scattered along the road. When the moon rose, they got up, but they could not find the crumbs of bread, for the birds and small animals of the woods had come and picked them up. 
Gretel thought they might find the way all the same, but they couldn't. They went on all night and the next day, from morning until evening, but they could not find the way out of the woods. They both were very hungry, for they had nothing to eat but the few berries they could forage, and when they were so tired they could no longer drag themselves along, they laid down together under a tree and fell asleep. The next morning was the third morning since they had left their father's home. They were trying to get back to it, but instead only found themselves lost deeper into the woods, and if help had not come soon, they would have starved. Around noon on that third day, they saw a beautiful white bird sitting on a bough, singing so sweetly that they stopped to listen. When the bird had finished, it spread its wings and flew before them, and they followed after the bird until they came to a little house where the white bird perched on the roof. As the children drew nearer, they saw that the house was built of bread and roofed with cakes and had windows made of transparent sugar. We will have some of this house, said Hansel, and make a fine meal of it. I will eat a piece of this roof, Gretel, and you can have some of the window. That will taste sweet. So Hansel reached up and broke off a bit of the roof just to see how it tasted, and Gretel stood by the window and gnawed at it. Then they heard a thin, musical voice call out from inside. Nibble, nibble, little mouse, who is nibbling at my house? And the children answered, No, no mice to fear, it, it is, is the wind you hear. And they went on eating, never disturbing themselves. Gretel, who found that the roof was quite delicious, took down a large piece of it, and Hansel pulled out a large, round window pane and sat down and began to eat. Soon the cottage door opened, and an elderly woman came out, leaning heavily on a cane. Hansel and Gretel were frightened of the old woman's sudden appearance, and let what they had in their hands fall to the ground. The old woman, however, nodded her head and said, "'My dear pets, are you lost?' You must come indoors and stay with me until we can take care of you. Yes, yes, you will be no trouble at all, my dears. The old woman took them each by the hand and led them into her little house. There she laid out a good meal of milk and pancakes with sugar, apples, and nuts. After that she showed them two little white beds, and Gretel and Hansel laid themselves down and thought that they were in heaven. Though her behavior was kind, the old woman was actually a wicked witch who lay and wait for children. She had built her little candied house on purpose to entice them. Once they were inside, she would fatten them up, cook them, and eat them. And this she planned to do with Hansel and Gretel. The witch could not see very well, but she had a keen sense of smell like many beasts of the woods, and knew very well when human children were nearby. Early the next morning, before the children were awake, she got up to look at Hansel and Gretel as they lay sleeping so peacefully, with round rosy cheeks, and she cackled to herself, saying, What a fine feast I will have! Then she grabbed Hansel with one withered bony hand and carried him to the little stable behind her cottage and locked him up in a stall. Call and scream as he might, it was no good, for no one could hear him. Then the witch went back to Gretel and shook her awake, saying, Get up, you lazy fool. Fetch water and cook something nice for your brother. He is out back in the stable. He must be fattened up, and when he is fat enough, I will eat him. Gretel began to cry, but she had to do what the Wicked Witch bade her. 
So the best kind of meals were cooked for Hansel, while Gretel got nothing but bread crusts. Each morning, the old woman visited the little stable and cried, Hansel, stretch out your fingers so that I may tell if you will soon be fat enough to eat. Hansel, however, was clever and would hold out a little bone that he had found instead of his finger. And the old witch, who had weak eyes, could not see what it was, and supposing it to be Hansel's finger, would feel of it and wonder very much why Hansel was not getting any fatter. After a month of this had passed, and Hansel seemed to remain so thin, the witch lost her patience with the children and could wait no longer. Gretel, she cried one evening to the little girl, be quick and draw water. Be Hansel fat or be he lean. Tomorrow morning I will cook and eat him. Early the next morning, Gretel had to get up, make the fire, and fill the kettle. First, we will do the baking, said the old woman. I have heated the oven already and kneaded the dough for the bread. She pushed poor Gretel towards the oven, out of which the flames were already licking. Crawl in, my dear, said the witch, and see if it is proper hot so that the bread may be baked. Once Gretel had climbed in, the witch intended to shut the oven door upon her and let her bake, and then the witch would have eaten Gretel. But Gretel was clever and figured out what the witch had planned. I don't know how to do it, Gretel told the witch. How shall I get in? Stupid goose, said the old woman. The opening is big enough. Do you see? I could get in myself. And the witch stooped down and put her head in the oven's mouth. Then Gretel gave the witch a push from behind so that she went in farther, and she shut the iron door upon the witch and locked it in place. The witch howled something frightful, but Gretel ran away and left the old witch to burn away in the oven. Gretel went straight to Hansel, flung open the stable door, and cried, Hansel, we are free! That wicked witch is dead! They were both very happy, and they hugged each other around the neck and danced about the little stable, and as they had nothing more to fear, they went all over the witch's house, and in it they found chests of pearls and precious stones. This is something better than those little white stones, said Gretel as she filled her pockets with treasure. Hansel, thinking he would like to carry something home with him as well, filled his coat pockets too. They walked together for a few hours, away from the cottage and the witch's woods, when they came to the river Rhine. We can never get across this, said Hansel. I see no stepping stones, and no bridge to cross on, and there is no boat either said Gretel, but here comes a white duck. If I ask her, she will help us over. So Gretel cried to the duck, 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 here we stand, Hansel and Gretel on the land, stepping stones and bridge we lack. Please carry us over on your nice white back. And the duck came right up to Gretel, and Hansel got up on her back and told his sister to come too. No, Gretel told her brother, that would be too hard on the duck. We can go separately, one after the other. And that was how they managed it. After crossing the river, they went on happily until they came to a place in the wood where the way grew more and more familiar until at last, in the distance, they saw their father's house. Then they ran until they came to the house, rushed in the door, and fell on their father's neck. The woodcutter had not had a quiet hour since he left his children in the woods, but his wife had died, and when Gretel opened her apron, the pearls and precious stones scattered all over the room, and Hansel took one handful after another of the gems out of his pocket. Then all care was at an end for them, and they lived in great joy together. I really like that story, Dad. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Did you like the changes I made to the story? I did, because 
most of our stories so far, the main character has been a male character. Right. And Hansel and Gretel is usually Gretel is the one. I mean, Hansel is the one doing all doing the... doing all the stuff. I know that we we had this conversation a couple of episodes ago, where it hit me that most like we're we're not being terribly inclusive with the stories that we picked for this season um and the stories that we've already told they to date have all had male protagonists mm-hmm. in them even the the native american and the african stories that we we told this year how stories came to be and the son of the tortoise right both had male protagonists both male lead characters the sh- the elmic i'm not going to i'm not going to list all of our episodes i'm just <laughs> going to stop myself right there cuz this is episode 6 so we're halfway through the season. We're halfway through the season, Brian. We this Still is this is five. our sixth sixth out of twelve episodes that we're doing. How mm-hmm. do you feel about that? Gonna feel real bored once we're done. <laughs> I know that for sure. And that's that's when it's time for us to have a conversation about whether or not this is something that we want to keep doing. Right. Right. Okay. Let's get back to the story. So typically, you were saying that Hansel is the the protagonist of this story Mm -hmm. in my retelling because this is hansel and gretel retold by dad in my retelling i made gretel our protagonist i made her be the one who is in charge of most of the action and most of the heroics and uh hansel be kind of this this side character this tertiary Mm -hmm. almost tertiary although titular character it means that they're like a third string Right? Like if you had if you have just one singular main character, that that is Gretel. And then there are secondary characters. And I guess that means that that Hansel in this in this version is a secondary character and the tertiary, the next level down, the third most important characters are the father and the stepmother. What about the witch? The witch would be a secondary character. Because actually no, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. The witch would be a primary primary character because she's the antagonist. Mm-hmm. She is the villain. Although the stepmother could also be seen as a secondary villain, mm-hmm. which means that the father is actually a tertiary character, a third level, third tier character. Right. Um so there's this theory out there somewhere if you look it up, you will find it that the stepmother is actually the witch. Because when they return home, after they kill the witch, they find out that the stepmother has also died. Uh, was that a theory that you came across in your research as you were digging through? That's a theory that I heard. Or is it just a theory that you have? That's a theory that I heard a while ago. Oh, okay. I, I do not think that. But I do think, especially because of the time period that this was, right? Like this, this, if we accept that the story is set in 1315, that is a very dangerous time for people to be living in, right? Mm -hmm. And and particularly women who are dying in childbirth regularly. I mean, she could have been pregnant at the time, right? She's trying to get rid of Hansel and Gretel because she knows that there's this, this baby coming along, right? There could have been some other complications. She could have just gotten sick and died. She could have eaten something bad and died. I do think that we see the witch as a character, as a minor animal character, before we see the witch in person. Mm -hmm. And I think that the witch is kind of like an animagus from Harry Potter in that she is the, the white songbird that Hansel and Gretel hear and see that leads them back to the house. Because in the story, we're told that the witch has a very keen sense of hearing and of smell, or just that she has very keen senses. Besides sight. 
that her sight's not great, but her other senses, like beasts, like the animals, she's got really good other senses. So she's like lying in wait for children to just come traipsing through the woods, just wandering through, waiting to lead them back to her house where she can prey on them and nom, catch nom, them nom. and eat them. Right. And convince them to, you know, nibble on her house. Right. Um, there were some other changes that I made, like their response, since we're talking about this specifically, mm. in a lot of the versions that I saw while I was rewriting this story, um, you know, the witch says, nibble, nibble, nibble little mouse who's yeah. nibbling at my house. Yeah, you got it. And they respond, never mind, yeah. just the wind. This is so stupid. Like, why would you Why would you go to the trouble of setting up this poem if you're not going... And I'm sure that in German, in the original German, like, it works, right? But this translation doesn't work. And especially not when Gretel has that poem at the end where she's calling to the duck, okay? Now, the duck, I do, I do want to have this conversation for, again... Right? I want to have this conversation. In this story, I found it particularly interesting that whenever a color is mentioned, the it's color... White. Wait, oh, you just You just ruined it! You, you beat me to it! Let me just shake you a little bit. Um, so... <laughs> so <laughs> Hope you're not listening on headphones. Okay, so, so let's, let's take that back. Let me, let me set you up, okay? When... Any when one when one a character or an object in the story is mentioned, they are mentioned as being a specific color. What color are they mentioned as being? White. Now that's very interesting, right? And you did some research on what mm-hmm. white symbolizes in literature. So usually white symbolizes freedom, holiness, or pure. Ah. Birds, birds are freedom because you did the research mm-hmm. on that too. So, Pureness. so white is purity, innocence, and holiness. And so that's interesting because the stones that Gretel gets from in front of their house are white. When they're leaving, they're talking about, or she's talking. You know, when her father asks, "Why are you stopping?" and she's like, "I'm looking at my little white kitten up on the roof." Mm-hmm. That's that's the second thing. The third thing is the bird, the songbird that they encounter in the woods. The there are beds in the witch's house that are white, and the duck is also mentioned as being white. White. Now, isn't that like that's five? instances of the brothers Grimm using the color white that is something that i did not change while i did take liberties with some of this story like changing the gender of the protagonist the main protagonist Mm -hmm. right that was a detail that i wanted to make sure that i left in because i thought that it was very interesting why would they use i mean because there are lots of colors there are right? tons of colors. And you don't have to get very specific, right? Like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, black, white, brown, gray. Turquoise. That's getting into a little bit more specific, right? Like we're looking at big, big color headers, right? Pink. Like there are a lot of options here. Why are all of these things mentioned as being white if that's not important to the story? I'm not sure. Do you think that it would be mentioned that all of these things would be mentioned as being white if it wasn't important? No. No, I don't think that it would be. So I think that the story, as we're starting to get into this discussion about the underlying lessons and the morals for this story, that that reference to innocence and purity is important for this story. And that, like, even I think 
because we had this conversation a couple of days ago where the stones that Gretel gets to lead them away from the house being white, that she's leaving them a trail of innocence for them to follow back to their house, which represents, you know, their childlike innocence. The little white kitten that they see on the roof or that she says that she sees on the roof twice represents the innocence of the home and childhood there, right? And as like the protector of childhood innocence, the the bird the songbird gets a little bit more difficult especially because i think that that is the witch leading them to the house so i think it's almost this false that in in this instance it's a hey i turn into a white bird so you can trust me i'm pure i'm innocent follow me children right and that the witch is making this conscious decision to turn into this white songbird and lead them back to their house where she can eat them right um and then this is this is getting into a little bit more of an adult theme, but the white beds that they the children in the story it mentions that they think that they're in heaven, that the beds are so comfortable. They've been out in the woods sleeping on the ground for 3 days, that the white beds I think that the white beds represent almost a sexual innocence, which is getting into some more adult themes, so we're going to we're going to move on from that, yep. but I think that there's a discussion to be had there. For those parents listening listening with kids, maybe maybe that's something that you want to talk about. Maybe you're an adult and you have other adult friends who you have been dragging to listen to you to this podcast with. You invite them over to your house, tie them to a chair, and you put on our podcast to get us new listeners. Um, I don't mean, do that. That's that's definitely an avenue of conversation don't, for you to don't, have. Don't do that. The the fifth thing is that white duck and i think that that's the big one that we need to talk about right because the white duck represents their purity and their innocence right getting them out of this situation and getting them back home again right that they're on their they're helping this duck and also the pearls right mm-hmm. the story very specifically mentions that they as they loot the witch's house they find all of these pearls and gemstones and well, wait, wait, wait. I know where you're going. I see it in your eyes, what, what you're wanting to say. But before that, what color are pearls? White. They're they're a white, like Pinkish. a rainbowy, rainbowy color, right? But typically they're seen as being white. Okay. Now tell us tell us things about the pearl. Okay. During my research, <clears throat> I read I read the Wikipedia Hansel and Gretel article, and Gretel's name actually translates to pearl. It's from, it, there's a German, right? Like there's some language shift there. But I thought that that was very interesting when you told me that. I think that that's really cool. And that's yeah. not something I ever, ever knew before. But do you think that that's why they f- specifically find pearls in the witch's house? Yes. Do you think that there could also be a reason tied with that color theory, right? The symbolism of colors in this story as to why it's pearls specifically that they find. Maybe. I think so too. I think that that's a likely a likely pathway to to go down, right? Is that the pearls are included because of that symbolism that the brothers Grimm are trying to highlight in this story. Right. And then they get home and their stepmother died. I I still it's an interesting theory that the stepmother is actually the witch. I think that it's more likely that these are two separate characters. But I appreciate you sharing your theories, right? And as we're talking about literature like this, and we're, you know, doing these, we're having these discussions and trying to get other people inspired to have their own discussions about these things. I think that it's important to say, you know, thank you for that. I think, I think that that's a good idea. I like where your head is at, but 
I don't necessarily think that that's true. And we can have conflicting beliefs in this story and conflicting thoughts over this story and still be able to have this conversation. Yeah. Is that everything you want to say about... Is there anything else that we need to say about the Brothers Grimm before we move on to your poem? No. What if... I think, I think that there is. I think that there is one thing that needs still to be mentioned. Were the Brothers Grimm the authors of this mm. story? They were not. They were not. What did they do? They collected... They also authored some of their stories. They did write some of their own stories. But this story, we think, is an older story. And one of the articles I read said that... That it's an older, mm -hmm. an older story. The Brothers Grimm collected... Stories. What kind of stories? Folktales. From where? Germany. So they collected German folktales, which is where I was trying to lead you to. They collected German folktales and wrote them down for the first time and published them. And that is their significant contribution to storytelling and human history. Yeah. And that is what's important about the Brothers Grimm. Not that they were the authors of all of these stories, but that they collected them and preserved them for future generations to enjoy, like we're doing now as philologists ourselves. Studying philology. Studying philology. Now, now that we're we're wrapping, we've wrapped up the conversation on Hansel and Gretel. We've wrapped up our discussion. Okay, let's talk about your poem for this week. My poem is called "The Song of Wandering Angus." Who's it by? It is by William Butler Yeats. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, I was looking at the show notes from last week, and I was like, was it not Delmore Schwartz? Um, but no, that was the that was last week's poem. You're, you're, I was trying to be on the same page, and I literally was not on the same page because your, your notes were open to the wrong page. Sorry. That's okay. That's... <laughs> okay. Yeah, so tell me things about William Butler Yeats. Okay, so William Butler... Is it Butler... Yeats? Or is it Yeats? It's Yeats. Are we sure? Yes. We, the YouTube said so. YouTube said so. I know that we went we went and we looked and It said William Butler Yeats. Yeah, I know. I just I had always heard it as Yeats. I'm and, pretty sure it's Yeats. But I think that this is an important discussion to have too. And especially to recognize that even with where was he from? Uh Ireland. He was from an he was he was from an Ireland. He was from Ireland, and so even for people of Irish descent, and especially as we're talking about, you know, names and places from other cultures that we might not necessarily know how to pronounce, it's, I think it's relevant to say, hey, here's something that we don't know. We're not, we're not the experts. We're trying to be, right? We're actively learning about these stories and trying to ourselves become experts on these stories and these poems and teaching and engaging people in literary thought and conversation, right? Right. I think it's important to say, hey, we don't know exactly what this is. If we are wrong and you know better, please let us know. You can email us. Um, and the email address will be at the end of the show, along with all of our social media stuff. Let us know where we mess up. Let us know what you think and how you feel about what we're doing. Um, but please understand that we're amateur podcasters. We're trying to do our best. This is our first time. Well, now this is our sixth time. Technically. <laughs> 
but this is our you know the first body of work that we're we're doing as podcasters and we're human we make mistakes Mm -hmm. and you know if we can correct our mistakes we would love to learn Um, yes we would all right so tell me when tell me more about william butler eats our our poet Tell us more about our poet. When was he so William alive? Butler Yeats was born in 1865 and died in 1939. He was 73 years old. He was 73 years old. When was he born? 17 what? 1865. He was born in 1865? Yes. And died in? 1939. I thought that you had said that he was alive at the same time as Hamilton. No, I, I, I was talking about the Brothers Grimm. Oh, you were talking about the Brothers Grimm were alive at the same time as Hamilton. I'm so sorry. You're right. Um, That was part of a discussion that we had pre-recording as we were prepping for this episode. Yep. Okay. All right. He's an Irish poet. Mm Mm-hmm. What was significant about his contribution to poetry? Or rather, was he recognized in a significant way? He was awarded Mm -hmm. the Nobel Prize in Literature. The Nobel Prize? Mm Mm-hmm. What did I say? Noble Bell. No, I did not. You did so. I'm pretty sure I said noble. Do we need to go back and l- listen to the recording? Yes. Stop it. So we stopped the recording. We went back a couple <laughs> seconds and listened to it. And Brian, what did you say? Noble Bell. Noble Bell Prize. Which is which is fine, right? And again, right, like going back to what I just said, it's important for us to recognize when we make mistakes. We're humans. We're human, we make mistakes, and it's a funny slip, and it's really cool that we can stop the podcast, stop stop our recording, go back, and listen, and be like, oh yeah, you know what? I did make a mistake, but that's okay. Noble Bell. Noble Bell Prize. So he won a Nobel Prize in literature. Did you write down or tell us when that was? No, I did not. I think it was in the 20s, wasn't it? The 1920s? I don't know. So it was towards the end of his life. I know that he was like he was well established and well into his career at that point in time. He was seventy three years old when he died. When he died, yeah. right? But what influenced this poem? This poem was influenced by a Greek folk folk song, right? That inspired him to write it, right? And I think as we were as we were looking at it, it said that like this poem was proposed to him by a Greek folk tale or folk song, and you asked mm-hmm. me what that meant, and what it meant was exactly what you just said. Do you want to say it again? That it was inspired by a Greek folk song, right? That hearing this folk song inspired him to write this poem. Is there anything else, particularly about his youthful writing and what he was inspired by in his younger days um to write something about mythologies irish Mm -hmm. mythology yep irish he was he was heavily influenced by irish mythology and legend and we see some of that and it's interesting too because some of the research and some of the stuff that i saw was that mentioning the 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 connection right between these two cultures Mm -hmm. which two cultures am i talking about irish and german no, Irish and Greek, right? Oh, he was right. he was he was inspired by this Greek folk song and he also had a background in Irish mythology and legend being Irish himself. And this article was talking about how there's a lot of overlap between between these two cultures and these two things with with silver apples and golden fruit, ladies mysteriously appearing and and we can talk too a little bit afterwards 
um, right. about how this story connects or this poem connects to our story. Um, but I think that it's worth mentioning that Angus, who is in the title, that I think that it was Angus Og, that it was the the Irish god of love, Angus Og, who saw this silvery mystery woman only appear in his dreams, and I think that that comes across in in the poem. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just have you go ahead and read the poem for us. I will do that. The Song of Wandering Angus by William Butler Yeats I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head, and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread. And when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out, I dropped the berry in the stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire of flame, but something had rustled on the floor, and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair, who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass, and pluck till time and times are done, the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. Thank you for the poem, Ray. You're welcome. I I also really like this one. And, you know, I say I like all of them. I really just appreciate listening to you read these poems for us. And I saw this one, and I thought it would be a good one for this, but then later yesterday you said that it would also be a good one Mm -hmm. so we chose this one right and and so one of the things that we didn't get to talk about when we were having our discussion on the themes of hansel and gretel was the discussion that was started by my mom by gogo as we were we were having this discussion the other night is on the seven deadly sins and gluttony being a key theme of Hansel and Gretel, right? And that you Mm -hmm. shouldn't just this, this mind numbing amount of consumption. And I do think that there is an element of that to this poem, right? That, that Angus, who is the speaker of this poem, just is, just becomes obsessed with finding, finding this woman again, the, the woman with, or the, the silver apples of the moon and the golden apples of the sun in her hair or the flowers in her hair. Mm -hmm. Right. And that this woman just appears and is so entrancing, so intoxicating that he just wants more of her. Now that does lean a little towards the lustful side of the seven deadly sins, but I definitely think that there's an aspect of gluttony to to that. What right. Do, what do you think? Um, to which one? The poem or the story? Both. Um, so in the story, I don't remember what I said, but it's overconsumption of magic. An overconsumption of magic? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what are they overindulging themselves on? Um, or what gets them in trouble? How does gluttony get them in trouble in the story? 
They use the stones. Is that an overconsumption? No. No. It's specifically when they get to the house, right? The, oh, the, when they're nibbling on the walls. When they're nibbling on the walls and eating at the house and the window panes, right? Never mind. When they're it's just, just the wind. But they're also starving, right? And they're also, mm-hmm. you know, over overindulging themselves. And Gogo said something last night mm-hmm. that made me really think, is it gluttony if you're starving? Oh, that's a good question. Is it still gluttony if you're starving and you're just, you've got food in front of you and you're just stuffing your face full of food because it's there? Then, now that you put it that way, then yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, (laughs) that's exactly where my mind was too, as we were, as I was saying it, is that yes, I think that it is still, and that's one of the things that the seven deadly sins, right? Like that's the reason why they're deadly in, in the Catholic church, right? There's this idea of these, these, these things being so bad for you that they kill pride, lust, envy, greed, wrath, gluttony, sloth are the seven. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure those are the seven off, mm-hmm. off just off the top of my head. Um, not being Catholic and only knowing them from literature, I, I I feel comfortable in it. And in saying that those that's what they are. But, you know, knowing, too, that the Brothers Grimm were devout Christians and Catholics, I think, you know, I think that that definitely could play a role in how they retold these stories. Right. Now, Catholicism, also very big in Irish history, Right. What did you, what was something that you learned about William Butler Yeats, the poem, or the the author of Song of Wandering Angus, that could be tied to Catholicism? Was he a Catholic poet? Uh, no, he was an Irish poet. He was an Irish... Oh, right, Protestant. (laughs) He was, he was an Irish Protestant. Protestant. Okay. Of Anglo-Irish descent. Of Anglo-Irish descent. And you had a question about that. What does Protestant mean? So the the Protestant. So in, I don't even I don't even know where to start. Like this is such an entrenched part of Irish history and world history. I don't even know I don't even know where to start with this. Right. Like there's the Catholic Church, which is the big church of Christianity. Right. Right. And so the Protestants were people who believed in Christianity but didn't necessarily want to believe in the Catholic Church and what a lot of the things that the church was doing at the time. So they kind of split off from the church and had their own, like this is one of the earliest, there are so many different types of Christians, right? Like you've got Baptists, and even among the Baptists, there are like free will Baptists and Southern Baptists. There are, you know, Mormons in the LDS Church. There are like... um There are, oh, there's a word that I'm, Orthodox, right? There are Orthodox Mm. Christians, like there's like a Russian Orthodox. What does Orthodox mean? Orthodox means that you follow the oldest set of um, tenets laid down by this religion. Okay, so like the Russian Orthodox Church is is very strict in a lot of stuff. And I think that they they do very, their stuff is very much by the book. William Butler Yeats, the author of this poem, was one of these people who didn't necessarily believe or his parents right the, the, his faith right whether he picked that up on his own or whether it was passed on to him by his parents was a set of beliefs that 
you know, we still believe in, in, in Christ and the teachings of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily agree with the Catholic Church. And that has caused a lot of tensions in Ireland between these two groups. Even even the Irish flag is seen to symbolize this divide. And the right. Irish flag is green, white, and orange. Okay, well, on St. Patrick's Day, Catholics wear green to say, hey, I'm Catholic. And the Protestants wear orange. And they're divided by this white stripe on the Irish flag that symbolizes... Equality? Nope. What is white? symbolize oh uh holiness holiness purity and so i mean even the irish flag helps tell this story of the history of these two religious groups in their in their country on this tiny little island in the atlantic ocean did you have any particular favorite parts of this poem what did you feel when you were reading this poem let's 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 tackle those separately what was your favorite part of this poem I really liked all of it. You really liked all of it. Can you be more specific? What did you like about it? Um. Because that makes for better podcasting. The colors. You liked the the color usage in this one. So like with the last one, with the the Schwartz poem, you you liked the the color symbolism in this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did you like about that symbolism? I just thought it tied in with Hans von Gretel a lot oh because of the uses the usage of color uh-huh and and more than just the the themes of of gluttony and right okay let's see so that was we talked about what your favorite part of the story was yep and you said all which is kind of a cop-out no it's and not. you need to do better but this is a learning it's experience not a right cop-out. and then the second question i had was oh what did this poem make you feel what as, it made me feel happy. That was a question. Did it make you feel happy? Yes. Okay. What part of it made you feel happy? The descriptions. Okay. The description in the words, right? Because going back to this is poetry is words that are meant to be said aloud to elicit emotion in other humans. This poem is best known for its last two lines, silver apples of the moon, golden apples of the sun, in that eternal quest for that longing that he he's experiencing. I think it's interesting too, the symbolism, and it makes me think about the two trees that Tolkien wrote about that existed in Valinor, the silver tree mm. and the golden tree, and that has absolutely nothing to do with us watching the first episode of Rings of Power last night. Definitely not. <laughs> Not influenced at all by current media consumption. Gluttony. That's it? You're just going to throw gluttony out there? Yep. That's your contribution? Yep. Is, is gluttonous, gluttonous behavior? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, we're, I, I think we're at the end of recording for this episode. Is there anything that we missed? Anything that we need to add to the discussion on Hansel and Gretel or Wandering Angus for this episode no i don't think there is let's sign off okay go ahead and sign us off Bray. thank you so much for listening to another episode of dad time stories a podcast where i get my dad to tell us stories i'm your host brian and i'm your dad if you have any questions or comments email us at dadtimestorypod at gmail.com that's d-a-d-t-i-m-e S-T-O-R-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. 
And if you've got friends that you want to share this podcast with, you can find us on social media and please share us and tell you know your dog, your dog walker, your your grandma, tell everybody. Everybody, tell everybody. Tell everybody a Please share us as we're trying to still find our audience and our listenership. And you can find us on those social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at DadTimeStoryPod. That's D-A-D-T-I-M-E-S-T-O-R-Y-P-O-D. Good job, bro. Not at gmail.com. Not at gmail.com. Just at DadTimeStoryPod. I think that's it. That ends this, this episode. Yep. So until next time, be good. Do good and, and tell, tell more stories. stories.